Welcome to The Wayfinder Show with Adam Lacey and Luis Hernandez, where guests discuss the why and how of making changes in their life that led them down a greater, more authentic path or allowed them to level up in some area of their life. Our goal is to dig deep and provide not only knowledge, but actionable advice to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Come join us and find the way to your dream life. everybody welcome back to the wayfinder show this is adam with my partner louis louis how's it going today man feeling good bro uh it's april uh, it's finally april yeah it's sunny exciting. and warm today it is you know april is a special month for me because uh and for many runners especially marathoners because um it's boston marathon month ah. you know so uh big a lot of usually Boston and uh London, which are two of the world majors, happen this month. So for me, it's like the month. This is this is a gift to us. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of marathons, you know, that's what we wanted to get into today. I think for you know a lot of our regular listeners or anybody that knows Louie, you know that he's a runner, you know, not only a casual runner, but a he's he runs marathons. You ran what I believe 12, Louis. Yeah. Is that how many? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we thought we'd jump on today, you know, especially this time of year, a lot of people will start getting back into a health kick. And, and you know, I think there's a lot of us out there, myself included, that have never run a marathon and are just curious on how you do it, how you train for it, what what it looks like, what you eat, you know, all the all the specifics about about how to train and, and what to expect at a marathon. So we thought we'd just Go ahead and pepper Louie with some questions, and hopefully it can provide uh, provide some advice that you guys can use later in your lives. So with that, having said that, Louie, why don't you just paint a picture of your background in running and and what you've done in marathon running? Yeah, sure. Uh, my first marathon was back in 2010. It was the Philadelphia Marathon. Okay. And uh, leading up to that, I had not really been a runner at all. You know, I, I, um, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but you know, that my results there were, I think it was like four hours and 56 minutes and change. Um, I, so I, it wasn't, it was, you know, for some people that that's a great first time. Um, at the time I thought I, you know, I felt like Rocky. I, I I felt like I won, (laughs) you know, and, and it was great. Um, so then after that, I did New York City Marathon. I also said, like everybody says, you know, I'll never do this again. <laughs> it was very difficult. It was painful. Um, I had no, you just never know what you're getting yourself into with that. And uh, so I said, never get to it again. But it kept lingering, kept lingering, talking to, you know, uh, friends. And I said, you know, I, I continue to run a little bit when I moved to Colorado. At the time, I lived in Baltimore, got into trail running. And I said, you know, I'll never run a marathon again, unless I get into the New York City Marathon. <laughs> so then I said, all right, well, you you know, to be honest about it, you got to at least apply, right? It's a lottery, you apply, very few people get in. It, it's one of the world's biggest marathons. So tons of people apply to get in and don't get in. And so I'd apply every year. And what I didn't know back then was if you applied every year for three years in a row, you had to pay like an application fee for the lottery. It goes $12. And if you failed three times, you didn't win three times, you automatically get in on the fourth. 
So okay. <laughs> I got in. And then before you know it, I was running marathons. I'm like, all right, I said I was going to do it. So I got to do it. So that was 2014. It was, I think, the year after Hurricane Sandy. And then um, I joined a running group, a road running group, kind of got off the trails. And, and there I got hooked. And uh, I, I at that time I got, it was still above four hours. I think it was like four hours and seven minutes or something like that. And my goal just became to get under four hours for a while. So I think it took me like two or three after that. I forget which ones I did, but I, I did like three Chicago marathons. I did the Big Sur marathon. I done the um, Grandma's marathon, Mesa marathon I just did, uh, all that. And I eventually worked my way down to three hours and four minutes. And, uh, and my goal, yeah, it felt great. And my goal over time became to run the Boston Marathon. Because if you start getting into this, you start hearing the legend of it. It's the world's oldest marathon. Everybody goes, you get this cool jacket, which I'm wearing now, along with my Boston medal. And it just became the goal to go after that. And I think that started to grow in my head after like the third or fourth marathon I did. But I, I needed to get like under three hours and 15 minutes, which just seemed impossible at the time. So I just started by taking a little bit at a time trying to get So you had to get under 315 to like get into the marathon? Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. You okay. need a Yeah, and with Boston it's tricky. You have a cut, you know, they have a qualification time and it's based on age and gender. So I said I wanted to get there before I turned 45. So um at the time, I think the first time I decided I want to go there, I went for it and totally blew up and got injured and all this stuff. And these are all life lessons, which we'll talk about that you get along the way. And then, so then I made it a long-term goal, made it, I think like in 2015, I said, I, I want to qualify by the time by 2020. So I made it a longer term goal. And then I just kept chipping time off of each marathon and learning along the way. Okay. So yeah. Um, and, and now I've done that one, got to three or four. So now my goals is, you know, I like to get under three hours and I'd like to run all the world marathon majors, which I've I've now done five of the six. So um, out of the ones you mentioned, like just even almost even looking at it from a non-runner's perspective, you mentioned the Big Sur, which is a yeah. cool, beautiful. I mean, was that yeah. a did that add a little extra to the marathon being that it was in a cool place like that? Oh, my God. Yeah. So at that time, I think when I was going for that one, I wasn't thinking of majors or any time. I just thought it would be a great place to run it. Right. Like yeah, highway one, like the intercoastal highway right there uh, Hell yeah. uh, from Big Sur. I'm like, that must be stunning. So I applied and got in. I think I, that was also a lotto, but it's not as competitive. But I got in after a couple of tries and and went. And yeah, it was it was epic, dude. I, I kind of say it's like a religious experience. I mean, it's just stunningly beautiful. So serene. Um, you know, they got like a grand piano on that bridge that's along there, I forget. And somebody's always playing it. And oh, I mean, it's cool. just beautiful. I mean, it, it's just such a beautiful experience. Afterwards, you can go on the beach in Monterey and hang out in the cold water with the sea lions. And <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was really, really, really great experience. That's Was that the like one with the most do. elevation gain out of all the ones you've Yeah, that was done? definitely the hilliest that yeah. of the ones I've done. Sure. I don't know if overall elevation gain, but yeah. Oh, um, I remember it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. A lot of rolling hills, almost the whole way. Um, there's a big hill in like mile nine to 11, if I remember correctly. I think they call it Hurricane Hill. Mm. And it's like a two mile, pretty steep ascending hill. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that. I think I've I've done the Berlin Marathon. I've done the London Marathon, obviously. Uh, yeah. Yeah, quite a few. 
Yeah. That's really cool, man. So for for the person out there that's never ran one before, and it just seems like a daunting task, right? Maybe, maybe you've never run at all, or, or maybe you're like me and you can run, you know, you can get out and run a 5k, no big deal, but I, I've never right. run even a half marathon, let alone a full marathon. What does the training process look like? Yeah. So I think, um, like everything else, I think it depends, right? I, I think you have to adjust your training for where you are. Like you who've been a casual runner, you can, you're fit, you can run a, a little bit. I think, um, you know, you, you, you should set a, a long-term um, uh, uh, training cycle, probably about three to four months, you know, where you work up your mileage, you build up your endurance and all that. Uh, for somebody who's never run before, like I had before I, I started training, I had to work myself up to being able to run a half an hour straight without being able to run without being without having to stop mm -hmm. right so it really depends on where you're at um like for me my journey started with a book called the non-runners marathon training and it was actually a, a, a book um for a class uh i think it's university of idaho or something somebody takes that class and it's set out in like 16 weeks i believe and it tells you right at the beginning, if you can't run a half an hour straight, this book is not for you. It doesn't matter your speed or anything like that. So then it gives you a plan where you start trying to run five minutes and then 10 minutes, and you know, to, to increase your running. Okay. And you have a, a six-week plan in there to get to there. Okay. And then you can go and join into the 16-week. The so it just uh, kind of at a high level in a way, I guess, into the weeds in a way, though, too. Like, yeah, just to get from zero to that um 30 minute mark you said it takes about six weeks is it yeah. really just like get out there run a half a mile and then every few days you add another half a mile or, or what is that that's is, it. Is there it a general concept like that yeah it's like a run walk run for five minutes walk oh, five okay. minutes run five minutes and then you're over time you're increasing the run decreasing the walk right got it okay. so that's it and really i highly suggest anybody who's never done one before even unless you're like, you've been running a lot already, like let's say you run 30 plus miles a week uh, already regularly, you've been doing it for years, you run half marathons and you want to move up to a marathon, then maybe have a time goal. But otherwise, and some people don't agree with me on this, my coach doesn't agree with me on this, but I've just seen it disappoint people so much. You should not have a time goal for your first marathon. Your first marathon should really just be to finish. In that book I tell you about, it preaches that. And I think that's the best lesson in there. You should not have a time. Well, it should just be to finish. It is excruciating pain that you're going to put yourself through. And it's almost unimaginable, mm. the pain. And, um, you know, so so you, you shouldn't beat yourself up. At the end of the day, even if you walk all 26 miles, that's 26.2 miles that you just walked. Like, that's a lot, yeah. right? And you should be proud of that. And you shouldn't set a time goal for that. So... Yeah. Do you think it's a good idea to start with a half a marathon and then move to a full or not really? Yeah. Good question. I don't, um, I didn't do that, <laughs> but a lot of people do. And I, I would recommend it if I were to go back in time, I would, yeah. I rewarded myself with that half hour runtime by just doing a 5k, which took me about a half an hour at that time. Hmm. Um, and then I skipped anything over that and just went straight to a marathon but um, I think a half marathon. I think it is smart to go in incremental steps for sure, uh, whatever you like. But ultimately, the training is probably going to be the same, 
for seasoned people like myself yeah. now, we're going to do a couple of half marathons as part of our training, just as tune-ups. So again, it depends on the stage you're at. Like for me, I'll, I'll do one to two uh, half marathons to see what kind of shape I'm in so I can tell how to adjust my training, right? Okay. But if you're a beginner, I don't know if it matters. And then I guess without going too deep into the weeds, and I'm sure it's customizable, but first part of the question, is there a resource, a book, an app or something you would direct people to, to get that training program? And then after that, like, what does the training program look like? You you know, you mentioned throughout yeah. your training program, you'd be running a few um, half marathons, but can you give us a kind of a high level overlook of what that looks like, what those, let's call it few months or whatever it is looks like? Yeah, of course. So there is, um, <laughs> you're talking to a running geek, so it's going to be hard for me not to get into the weeds, Adam. <laughs> no, it's all right. Do what you got. So, do. you know, there's a lot of great books out there on running. You can pick up um, some of the legendary coaches out there like uh, Jack Daniels. You know, you can, not to drink, but the, the running coach, he's written a lot of books. Uh, Hal Higdon is another one. You can pick up books by them. I think that non-runners marathon training book is great for a first timer. Um, okay. So you would recommend that one then? Okay. I would, I really would. I think because, uh, it's written out almost like a journal week by week and the students are journaling in there where they are. And I found myself looking forward to each week, seeing what they wrote. And I found myself going through the same things that they were going through. Hmm. Right. But, um, uh, the other way is just getting a coach or joining a running group. Like I belong to a group here in Denver called revolution running. And there's a lot of us who train for marathons and our coach writes us plans and we go running together. So I think it's not just a book or you can download a plan online. The plans are all over, but, but there's more to it. I, I, I highly recommend running with people. So joining a group, you don't have to do all your runs with them, but, uh, but, but that's a big part. And then the actual training is usually going to incorporate a couple of things. It's going to incorporate a ton of easy running, you know, so stuff where you're at the aerobic heart, heart rate. And I don't want to dive too much into that, but there's different heart rate zones that one's in. Aerobic is kind of that slow fat burning zone. Um, it's a great one for running most of your miles. Um, and then you usually want to do some kind of a tempo workout, which is something where you get the heart rate up um, and you maintain it for a while. And usually you make that progressive over time. So, you know, you might start out at trying to do 10 minutes at a tempo pace, then at 15, 20, you know, and, and, and keep going. And, and every week you add on to that. And then the other one is like fast interval training. You can do that like on a track or you can do that on hills where you just sprint basically, uh, or, you know, for, for, you know, a minute or two and rest, do it again. Mm -hmm. So those are the three workouts. Um, easy. Do you recommend getting tempo. some kind of watch or monitor or something like that to go yeah. along track what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it depends. If you're only going to do one, if it's like a bucket list item, I don't know if it's worth it for you. You know, something to personally decide if you could really want to get into running. Absolutely. A garment watch. Actually, let me backtrack a little bit. I forgot. There's one other, the most important part of marathon training in particular is the long run. You should really be working yourself up to do runs that are going to last, you know, 16, 18, 20, 22 miles, you know, uh, and you're going to do quite a few of those. So depending on which book you get, they're going to usually have a long run in there anywhere from 16 to yeah, 24 miles. Um, so then the question that most people ask like that, well, if you don't practice with 26.2, can you really make it? Yeah, you can. 
you you're you know you're never gonna put yourself in race conditions except for the race you're just getting as close to training there and then putting it all out there for that but you do have to teach your body to be able to run uh for a long time so i'll usually make my long run my longest long run not based on how many miles i run but i make it easy pace the aerobic easy pace but I'll, i'll have it go as long as my goal marathon time is so if my goal marathon is three hours i'll have one long run in my training that will go that long Hmm. and that's just so i've taught myself to run for that long even if it's not at the speed i want to hit my marathon in Hmm. yeah i like it so how long before the actual race do you do your last long run yeah usually about three weeks out okay so the marathon training will be coming a few different phases Uh, you start out by building your base and depending on which you know, coach you have, there's two, a couple different philosophies. The one I prescribe to is usually building your endurance base first. So that means getting your legs trashed by running a lot of miles first, building it up so you can run a long run every day, a tempo run. I mean, not every day, once a week and a tempo run once a week and interval and then a bunch of running in between uh, just real easy. And um, so you do that for about six weeks or so. And then after that, you start doing the more specific training. So the tempos you start adding in to be, you know, a little bit faster than race pace. You can really, in a little bit longer, your intervals, you're trying to go much faster, you know, uh, and then your long runs, you're really adding the miles on that, you know, uh, still easy, but adding, adding miles. And, and then after that, you usually um, do a taper phase and your tape. Oh, actually some, sometimes there's a third phase in there where you'll have the, more simulate simulation. So, so your tune-up races, you might do like a, a 10K or half a ma- marathon just as a tune-up to see where you're at, engage and adjust. Hmm. And then you'll do a taper, which is usually about three, two to three weeks before the race. And that's when you'll, those that last week before your taper phase is really when you're giving it your all. You should be really tired. Your legs should be trashed, but you've done your, you're doing your longest run uh, that week, your hardest tempo, all of that. Um, and now again, every coach has a different philosophy behind it, but for the most part, it's something along those lines. And then you How many days phase. a week are you running? Are you running every day or is there off days? I'll typically run six days a week. Now I, I did streak for a while. They call it when you run every day. Uh, and I found as I got older, I just need a, I need a day of recovery. So I'll still run when I'm peaking out, you know, training, I'll, I'll run like 70 miles a week over six days and take one day off. Try not to do anything. Yeah. But everybody's a little different. Um, I highly recommend having a day off, especially, I mean, if you're in your like your twenties, your body can recover. I mean, you can go get shit faced the night before, get out, do a long <laughs> run. Right. And you're still going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> but if, as we get older, uh, the recovery becomes just as important as the actual running. Okay. You know? Now just to close out this training segment of this conversation, what, so what does the last two or three weeks look like after you've started to taper down? It sounds like a little bit. Yeah. You're cutting back a lot on your mileage. Uh, you are not doing anything hard. You might do some interval work still just to keep your legs. That's the, the short, fast paced stuff, probably not on hills, just like on a track. And you'll do that maybe once a week just to shake out all the lactic acid and, and keep your legs, your mobility and your legs uh, moving. So um, you might do that once, maybe twice a week. And that's about it. Um, Just a lot of relaxing. 
the the most important thing you can almost go without running the last like two weeks really the last week and running may actually hurt you more you're just doing it to keep stay fresh right Um, okay but it's really important you rest a lot maybe lay down and and put your feet up in the air so you can flush the blood through your legs i mean things like that are really good Hmm. yeah and you're also slowly carb loading that week you know so eating a lot of carbs uh but slowly not just like that you know there's always that pasta dinner the night before the marathon that's like I did that for a while. I thought it was great. I'd buy the tickets to the expo. Now I know it's it's not a good thing to do. It's better to just have a lot of carbs in small portions, like in every meal and snacks and everything throughout the week leading up to it. So your body's absorbing it better because mm-hmm. you will burn a ton of fuel. And so you're you're fueling throughout the week smart. So how about the day right before the marathon? We Same thing, just rest and eat some carbs, exactly. get some good sleep. Yeah, you want to stay off your feet that day. So, uh, you know, your last minute prep stuff and and then just kind of, I usually will go and stay in my room wherever I'm, I'm at and have a good book and lay on the bed with my legs up in the air and read that book <laughs> and just keep snacking all day. You know, a lot of bananas, nice. fluids, <laughs> things okay. like that. Yeah. All right. Now, now day of, here's the fun part, right? What, what yeah. happens? You wake up. And then what? Yeah, man. Um, now I, I, I mean, there's a lot of anxiety that day before and you freak Mm -hmm. out because you know, you got to rest. Right. So, and a lot of people won't sleep. I I'm pretty good at getting myself to sleep, but even on race day, I'll wake up extra early. Uh, but if you've been resting all week before it's okay. Like your body, you know, is going to be okay. If you didn't sleep that day before that, well, a lot of people don't, don't let that freak you out. Um, but you want to have everything prepared and get out, try to just stay as relaxed as you can move slowly to a bus or wherever you need to get to, to, to get you to the start line. Um, you want to bring, uh, you know, your, your gear to change out of after the race and check that in at the gear check and be there early. So you, you're not like rushing to the starting corral or, or whatever. Cause some of the, especially the world major marathons, they, they rush you through, they're real strict and all that stuff. Uh, bathrooms, you want to make sure you have a, a good bathroom break. <laughs> you want to make sure you flush your system. One of my hacks actually is during the taper, I would quit drinking coffee. So for three weeks out, I, I quit coffee and I was a hardcore coffee drinker. I would drink three, four cups a day, every day. And then I quit three weeks out, which is really tough. But then the day of, I would have coffee. And what it does is caffeine is actually a performance enhancing drug. Believe <laughs> It's a legal one though. And um, so it gets your mind really focused and, and you get a lot of energy from it, but it also helps you go potty. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So that's good. You want to do that before the race. I mean, to me, the key is making sure I go potty before the break. Uh, race. Yeah. How about food and hydration? What, what do you look, what does that look like on the day of? Yeah. Some people will bring uh, like they, these belts that you can carry your food and hydration in uh, your bottles and all that. But most courses also give you water and a lot of them now also give you gels. And these gels are, you know, kind of like a jelly that have um, a ton of calories in it, you know? And so you, uh, you, you want to have those. I, I bring my own. One of the things you should, one of the golden rules of marathon is you should never try anything new on the day of the marathon. So all of the gels, you need to learn how to 
run with that, like taking them down. After you run for 45 minutes or an hour, you should take a gel, get some calories back in your body because you just burned a ton of them. And uh, that way you won't bonk. So I bring my own gels. Um, and then I just drink water at each aid station just to sip and keep going. So how many of these gel packs do you use personally for a race? I now have one I really like called Martin. And I, I drink, I take six of them. Each of them is like a hundred calories. And I take three caffeinated ones and three non-caffeinated. And I just switch them back and forth about every 6K, okay. um, which is almost four miles. I think it's three and three quarter miles. So, um, And is yeah. that all you're eating or consuming on the day of the race? Or do you eat, eat actual food beforehand or no? Oh, yeah. That morning, I'll definitely eat some. I'll have a banana always. Maybe uh, something. You want to have stuff that's easy on your stomach because yeah. you do have some anxiety. You're going to be flushing all the acid around your stomach the whole time. So you, 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 you know, the, so what hits well with your stomach is really important. So I'll usually have like maybe a toast, a piece of uh, like a bagel, toasted bagel with, with a uh, peanut butter. I'll make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich sometimes think something that's really easy on the stomach, but has a little bit of carbs and protein and all that. Uh, I'll have my coffee, banana, bananas are great. Um, might be a muffin. I don't know. Everybody has their own thing. I've seen people, I have friends who take Pop-Tarts. Um, Pop-Tarts are actually great for that. I just have a mess with it. Um, everybody develops a routine. Yeah. When I used to race before, I now I'm, as you can tell, I'm, I've got my nutrition dialed in. But I mean, I would eat, a lot of these courses have people out there giving you bacon, chips, beer, all this stuff. I used to fruit, Big Sur, man, they would give you these great strawberries. It was so good. And I would take all that stuff along the way, except for the beer, of course. Um, mm. But, you know, it's uh, it, now I've learned you got to just, you know, take Stick it Stick to what you're used to. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one is salt. Like I, I think I mentioned before, I, I, I forgot to take salt at Mesa and it's hot and it's dry. And uh, that's a big mistake because you're, you know, help salt helps you retain your water, your fluid and keeps you hydrated. And that's really important. Now, these so, are tablets you would normally take. Is that what? Yeah, they got tablets. They got chews. They got pills, all kinds of different ways of getting salt. And I think it's important. Hmm. Um, but you learn everybody's different. So you really got to figure out with your body what's up. And you do that all during the training, you know, yeah. those training runs, especially the long runs every week. You start early trying different things. I mean. For, remember when I started taking it more seriously, I went to the running store and I picked up a different pack of gels of the different brands and whatever. And then I would try a different one um, every break, you know, and, and just made notes of which one tastes good, which one sits well in my stomach, you know, things like that. So, I imagine that's got to be a big reason why it'd be nice to have either a coach or a partner or a mentor or someone so, you know, like, okay, should I feel like this? Should I not feel like this? Should my stomach feel like this? Should my legs feel like this? You know, like through, totally. I mean, throughout the training process as totally. you're going or, you know, it probably would be very helpful. Yeah, Adam, like anything else in life, man, like running has taught me more life lessons than anything else. I've mentioned this before. And part of it is the value of good coaching, the value of your sphere, you know, the people you associate with right? All of that. Uh, the books you read, uh, what you what you use. I, I I now use the same products that all of the elites used. I've run with some elites, you know, for a 
couple seconds, but you know, I've gotten to know <laughs> who they are. I've used some of their coaches, you know what I mean? And uh, I couldn't run like them, but I can run better than most people my age because I surrounded myself with people who, um, you know, helped me get there and their coaches, their teammates, um, all, all the same things that we use to become successful in life, become better parents, become better husbands, become better business people. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And I, I want to dive more into the the mindset and also what you feel like you've gotten from running, but real quick first, do you have any tips on what to get, or maybe even what not to get as far as gear, whether it's shoes, clothing you wear on race oh, yeah. day, anything like that? Yeah. Thank you. So a couple of things, cotton is a no, no. Cotton is the enemy. It's, um, just because it love... gets wet and stays wet or exactly. And then that's causes chafing and all that. Yeah. And that, that doesn't feel good. So you want wicking materials and, you know, I don't find that there's, you can go to Costco and get great stuff from there. I, I don't really feel that there's too much of a difference between um, what you get at Walmart or Costco versus what you get in the running stores. Uh, the differences are more in comfort, like, you know, pre personal preferences and, and weight oftentimes. Right. So that's, that's one thing, but you got to go, you got to switch all your gear to wicking. When I first started, I was broke. You know, I had just I had my business failure and I would just get stuff um, at the local uh, Goodwill. And once I learned that and I would just go and, and pick up and some of it was way bigger. I mean, that was bigger back then anyways, but yeah. uh, bigger size, but that's, that's yeah. key. And then the other thing for shoes are really the most important thing. And um, I recommend going to a, uh, a, every, every town, every city in the country and a lot of small towns have running stores. So find your local running store, become, you know, support them. Uh, you know, you, there you can find running groups, coaches, um, physical therapists, everybody. It's a great place to start. Every time I go to a new town on a road trip, whatever, I always go find the running stores and I get advice on where to run. Well, you know, everything. Um, it's how I get to know the lay of the land. But more importantly, it's for shoes. A lot of them will do a gait analysis for free with you, right? They'll put you on a train on a treadmill, they'll take a video of it, and then you'll get in front of a computer and study your stride together, and then you'll figure out what kind of runner you are, and they'll get you the right shoe for that. If you're gonna be a serious runner, that is the number one thing you should do, probably. You get the don't don't just go buy the nicest. You know, you can't run in Jordans, right? You can't, don't go, don't go buy the, the cooler shoes. You see a Foot Locker or, or any of that. Go, go get real running shoes for your form at a running store. Yeah, and then, um, after, and they're expensive, you know, I mean, you're going to drop probably no less than 120, 130 starting and, and up. You know, I got, uh, the shoes I race in cost me $280. I could have never imagined I'd spend that much on a pair of sneakers, mm -hmm. you know? But uh, but once you know what kind of runner you are, the hack there is just um, you can you can always buy last year's model when they go on clearance. They don't sure. really change too much and just stock up. So, um, yeah, every time that there's a a model I really like that, I'll I'll wait till it's about to go on clearance and I'll buy like four or five pairs at once because they'll be like half off, seventy five percent off. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you? I mean, if you're training through a marathon, are you using multiple pairs of shoes? Are you flipping them out? Are you running, you know, running in the tread right off of them or? Yeah. Now that, um, 
now that I'm more serious, I do have different pairs of shoes for different purposes. So like I have a pair I use for the track, you know, my, my speed workouts. I have a pair I use for tempos. I have, okay. a, you know, my race, my racing shoes. Yeah. So, but then I have, you know, my, my everyday trainers and those are the ones that get all my easy runs, most of my long runs, you know, that, that gets the most mileage and most pairs are going to last anywhere from, I don't know, four to 600 miles. You can log your miles if you like, or, you know, by after a while, you know, just starts to feel for me, like I, I'll go on a couple of runs and I start to feel a niggle that I wouldn't normally feel. Niggles a running term for some kind of little injury. I'll start to feel uh, a little niggle there and, and, and I'll be like, ah, I wonder if it's the shoes and yeah, I'll crack a fresh pair out and, and then, uh, you know, hmm. I, I can tell it goes away. So that's how you can tell. Interesting. Yeah. Anything on socks or is that not that important? Yeah, no, socks are a great. Uh, first of all, again, wicking, uh, running socks, they cost, you know, a pair of sock of running socks are like $18, right. you know? Uh, but I'll tell you, I got socks that I've, I've kept for 10 years. I mean, they last forever and they are, they're really high quality. And, um, a lot of wicking socks I've noticed, you can go like again to Costco and buy socks that are all polyester and polyester is a wicking material, but they got, they still are like, they still chafe and are abrasive inside. So you want them to cut, to be cut for the right way for runners so you don't get chafing because chafing is a big deal if you don't have a fresh pair of uh, uh, the right pair of socks but yeah okay. otherwise and that that's the key you can deal with cotton in other areas you're still chafe and it's uncomfortable and i don't recommend it you can deal with it but with socks you run in cotton socks and you're going to be hurting <laughs> yeah all right man so well i guess they follow through the timeline so after the race are you just dead you just take couple weeks off from running completely after the race you know it's funny when i first used to run yeah i was dying right i could barely walk going down the stairs sucks you got to walk backwards and that still happens to me (laughs) even to this day but it was way where it would last for a lot longer after that um yeah really tired beat ironically as i've gotten faster and better i i don't feel that way i feel like a ton of energy most of the time okay um I usually go on really long walks after like, you know, grandma's the the finish line. uh, Grandma's is the race in Duluth, Minnesota. The finish line was like three and a half miles from the hotel we stayed at. We ended up walking back, stopping at bars and and restaurants along the way. It took us like the whole day, but I felt great. I was pumped. Then I went, our our hotel had a water slide. I went to the pool with my kids and went down a water slide. It was amazing. Nice. I wasn't able to do that before, right? You get yourself into that kind of shape. So the next day I'm usually a lot more sore, but I can still, you know, London the next day, I, I still got on the train and got made it to, to the airport, flew back and all that. I was fine. I mean, after Mesa, I drove back that next day. I camped out in the back of my truck. I'm, I'm still fine. Uh, achy, but not too bad. I can move. Yeah. Um, so it really, I think depends on your fitness, you know, but it is highly recommended to take some time off. Even the pros do this. And I hear everything from like 10 days to three weeks. This time I took like two weeks off, which mm-hmm. is, I think my longest break. I usually take the 10 week, 10 days, but you, you should, because you have pounded your body and you got all these micro tears in there. And it's not uncommon to get sick after because your immune system shot, because your body's trying to compensate for all the other areas you're beat up. 
That also happens pretty often in uh taper period too, by the way. But um, so I, I, I recommend definitely taking time off, just doing easy stuff, maybe a little yoga, lots of easy walks, all that for like uh, for two, two weeks or so. Okay. Or you start building back up. So it kills your immune system. You're exhausted. <laughs> you're, you're achy. So wh- why do it? Oh man. It's like, why do we do it? <laughs> you know, why do we go out and get shit faced, you know, every weekend or every night, right? No. And you got to get up the next day and go to work and it sucks to get up. Right. I mean, we do it. So my thinking is like, so you're saying it's just a bad decision. No, I think you, if you have a choice between the two, you know what I mean? Like we all have our vice, right? Like I, I, for me, it's running. But I don't think I, along the way, the lessons you learn, the relationships you make, um, the the sense of achievement that you get, uh, and even actually the doubt, like, I mean, I'll be thinking for weeks about that race, how the last one went, what could I do better? And I journal about it too, but some of the stuff you don't even realize till later it just it's just such a process of self improvement right like each marathon you learn so much and and you you get this desire for for those of us who are competitive and just want to be the best us that we can be right i want to be the best me i possibly can i don't think there's anything else that'll teach you that right so um so that's really it for me like i know Man, you 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 know, there's a little bit more that you can get to, and like you you want to challenge yourself. Like, can I get there? I just got to see if I can do this. You know what I mean? I think I'm getting towards the end of any PRs. PRs is personal records and in running, but I think I still can do a little bit more. And I'm like, that's what keeps me motivated, man. Yeah, you know, like just, just the constant improvement. It sounds like yeah, man. just the this the the desire to just be better. That's it. Than you were yesterday. That's it. Which is great. I mean, in, yeah. in all things in life. And I can see how running could absolutely be that. And man, it takes a lot of grit to just get out there and train that way. And, and you know, just obviously not only throughout the whole process, but then of course the day of to get through that 26.2 miles. And just when you know, you feel like shit and you just keep totally. going and going, man. So I can, I can totally see how that it could be a great way to build discipline and, and, Honestly, probably self-confidence, I'm guessing as well. Oh, like totally. Once you get through it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah there, you know, it's it's like the there's no there there's no real, I mean, with everything, there, there there's luck involved, right? You can show up and the course conditions could be awful that day. It could be storming, right? Or it could, or it could just be super hot or whatever. And so there's things that happen and, and luck plays a role. But for the most part, it all gets equalized. Like luck gets taken out of the equation a lot. If you've trained right, you know, over the right period of time, you get bad runs in your training. You know, there's never been a cycle where every run was perfect. You have to miss some runs because of something that comes up with life. Right. Uh, You might get an injury. Injuries are a part of running. And if you get through all of that and you get through the race, there's just, you know, so many lessons in that. And you just feel like over time, yeah, I, I, I got lucky sometimes. But luck happened because I worked hard. I was prepared for it. I recognized it. You know what I'm saying? And I took advantage of it, you know? Um, and I think that's just like such a great analogy for life, right? Mm-hmm. So you really can't cheat your way through a marathon. Right. <laughs> People are, you know, you, you ultimately it's all you and you got to get to the finish line. 
you know, and uh, there's nobody's going to carry you. Nobody's going to, you know, you, yeah, I mean, it, you can cheat, right? You can cut the course, you can, you know, take public transportation or whatever, but you, you got to deal with that for the rest of right. your life. And those are the demons that creep up from doing things, the other vices like drinking or drugs or running away from problems or any of that, right? So, yeah, you know, you face that on and you take it and, and you finish. And yeah, it, of course, it builds a ton of confidence. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So let's see, you want to get below three minutes. That's that's a big goal. Three Is that hours. still your, I'm sorry, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, three minutes. Of, Dude, I will be good, so paid if I got <laughs> finished the marathon in three minutes. So you want to get below three hours. Is that, is that still a goal of yours? Yeah, man. Thanks for asking. You know, I was having that doubt after Mesa. I felt like I worked so hard and I I didn't get, you know, I was disappointed in my time and I, all this stuff, but yeah, man, now the time is passing. I'm feeling it again. I want to go for it again, for sure. Nice, man. So do you have another race booked or not yet on your plans? No, I'm going to probably, I got like two or three I'm looking at for the fall. Uh, you know, right now we're bit really busy. I, I I couldn't put in the training I need. I'm still running all the time, but I, I, I couldn't put in the training I need. I'll probably start training towards the end of the summer, like specifically for the race mm-hmm. and pick a fall race, uh, probably late fall, maybe like November would be a good time. Um, ideally, unless of course I get into the Tokyo marathon, which is the last world major I need to hit. Right. And it's really, if I get into that, that's really what I'm waiting for when the lotto opens, see if I get in. And what time of year di- is the Tokyo? It's usually the first weekend in March. Oh, okay. So it'll be a big break. Um, if I if I get into that one, I'm just going to do a really long training cycle, probably a lot of, maybe just try to work on speed and, and everything and, and doing a longer endurance cycle. So sorry but, if uh, I interrupted you there. When will you know if you got into Tokyo? Oh, when will I know? I don't know. I think the they usually open it up like in the summer sometime. I got to look okay. it up. It just passed, so I haven't right. looked. But yeah, I'm going to apply uh, regular lotto, which I do every year and never seem to get in. So I'm not counting on that, but there's some charity ways as well. So I'm looking at which ones I can get in that through charity. Okay. By raising yeah. raising funds. for a... Yeah, which is a lot of fun, man. I did that to yeah. get into the London Marathon. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was really, really fun, really rewarding it added something new and it made me feel like I had a lot of purpose, you know, so who did you um, raise money for, for London? Yeah. It's uh, the outward bound foundation, okay. which meant a lot to me when I was a kid, uh, I did outward bound. Uh, they took me to Thompson's Island in Boston uh, when I was in high school. And uh, that was one of my first times being outdoors and um, did some leadership training there through high school. And it, it, it was a big deal to me. So um, they do a lot to take youth, especially from inner cities and stuff out to that. So it, it, it was some, it was a good way to be able to give back, uh, which I was really proud of. Yeah. That's really cool, man. So, so out of all of the races you've done, it, you know, we talked a little bit about big Sur. you know, obviously yeah. the, the majors are important to you. It sounds yeah. like Boston has a special place. Do you have an ultimate yeah. favorite and maybe it's not even the race specifically, but a favorite experience in marathon running in your career? Oh, uh, that's hard, man. Every one of them has been so special. I'm actually kind of getting, uh, as you were saying that I, I was getting a, a little, um, you know, I got the feels I'll, I'll never forget when I crossed the finish line at grandma's actually not then grandma's was where I got my personal record. 
and where I first qualified for Boston, I knew I had I had beat the cutoff time by so much I knew I was in. That that was really, really special. But my family was there and they don't come with me to a lot of races. And that was they were just so the the pride that they felt for me was really beautiful. Like wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So were so they uh, cool. were they waiting at the finish line for you or so they saw me around my like 22, 23. Oh, cool. And uh and they were like, This is your time. And I'm like, We're going to Boston. I remember like this how it was and then I still had miles to go and it's hard, but yeah. And then and then there's I saw them at the finish line too. And we hit there's a a BQ, they call it Boston Qualifier Bell, and we hit it together, and that was that was awesome. Boston was obviously really cool, but um I'm a little disappointed in my time in Boston too. So I, I'm gonna go back to Boston <laughs> probably next year if I don't go to Tokyo. And nice. uh and I'd like to get a better time there. Yeah. Uh, all of them, man. Berlin, my wife and I, we celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary there together. That was like the first time she had come with me besides our first. And we had a great time there. Yeah. I mean, just so many great memories. Yeah. Yeah. Man. One of the Chicago ones, I was in, I used to stay at a hostel in Chicago. And the first time I did it, I was in line with, uh, I, I heard this guy speaking Spanish and he has a Colombian accent. I'm like, yo, are you Colombian? You know, in Spanish. And he's like, yeah, I'm from Bogota. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, you know, you can, we have a distinct Spanish. And we hit it off. Turns out this guy is like the marathon, the master's champion for for Colombia at the time, you know, and he brought all his friends and I got to know all them. We warmed up to, we've become like really good friends. And at the end, we exchanged, uh, the day after the marathon or the day, uh, uh, the same day, but when it was over, we exchanged jerseys. He wanted like my club shirt from Revolution Running, <laughs> which is not a big deal. And he gave me like his Colombian Masters singlet, you know, that he ran in. And I was like, man, that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of great memories, man. It's just a it's just a beautiful sport. Yeah, yeah. man. Sounds like it. Yeah. I can t- obviously we can tell you got emotional here thinking about those memories. So it obviously yeah. plays a really really fun place in your life which is great man which is why we're here which is why i wanted to do this episode with you here so yeah i mean i really appreciate you you sharing with the listener and i'm sure i'm sure people will enjoy hearing about it is there is there anything else that i didn't ask you that you wanted to share about running or anything uh man i I appreciate this you know i could i I love talking about running (laughs) Yeah, I think it's going to be the most boring episode out there for anybody, probably because nobody likes it. But um, unless you're a runner, you know, it's funny. But um, I guess the only thing is um, if anybody wants to go down this journey, I'm happy to talk about it with them. I'm happy to help them write plans. I have coached before, too. I don't do it professionally, but I've I've studied it. Uh, I have coach groups. Uh, I, I, I. I can write plans. I write my own plans now. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm happy to help anybody with it uh, pro bono or review their plans or help them, I, I you know, in, in whatever, um, not trying to make any money off of it. I just want to share that experience with the world because uh, yeah. I think it's just a great way to grow. So how do you want them to get a hold of you? Yeah. Uh, they can email me, uh, Al Hernandez at pioneergrouprealty.com okay. is my primary email now. Uh, Facebook, I'm on there, LinkedIn, Instagram. I don't even know my handles though, but they can look me up or obviously through the Wayfinder show. Our emails are in there. Right. So, yeah. um, so it'll be in the show. Yeah. Notes. 
Is there, um, is there, are you still part of a running group that anybody locally here in the, in the Denver Metro area could just join or is it kind of an exclusive thing to get into? No, it's not exclusive at all. Our group, uh, it's revolution running. Uh, I'm not as active right now just because schedule doesn't allow me to, but a lot of all, all my best friends, running friends locally here are all there. And so we still meet up very regularly. All of the easy runs, they meet twice a week. Uh, for the workouts and then there's a long run on the weekends they have a group here in denver boulder littleton longmont uh east boulder county okay and uh but they have running groups everywhere sometimes on road trips i'll just look up the local running group uh i'll stop by a running store and ask what they are and i'll go and meet up with people and you have instant friends one of one of the best ways of making friends when traveling is that this is a great hack by the way do that find a local running group and people will just take you under your wing. Just tell them you're from out of town. They'll tell you where everything is. They'll tell you, you know, uh, all the bodies are buried in town. It's it's just a great way. I've been invited to people's homes after one run with them. Uh, running breaks down a lot of barriers. Socioeconomic yeah. class, you know, uh, ethnic, you know, um, whatever. I mean, it doesn't, every, every barrier that's out there, it gets broken down when you're about a half a mile to a mile into a run with somebody. You know, yeah. nobody gives a shit. You're all smelly. You're all sweating. You're all, you know, panting uh, for trying to catch your breath. And and before you know it, you're just trying to entertain each other through the run by talking. So it's a great yeah. way of meeting people anywhere. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate, you know, because I think that's true with at least to some extent with doing any hard thing. I mean, if you, when you do hard things with people, it, it becomes a bonding experience. And Absolutely. and I know I've noticed that's especially true when it comes to physical activity, whether it's a run or a workout or CrossFit or any of that, just, you know, something about, about mm-hmm. doing hard physical activity is just kind of a, a, a way, like you said, to break down those barriers and, and, you know, figure out who people are, make some yeah, friends. Totally. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Thanks. All right, man. Well, I had fun today. I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy getting to know you a little better. Um, Thank you. Obviously, to the listeners out there, if you have a question for Louie or me or anybody, you know how to get at us. And we will catch you next time. All right. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed the Wayfinder Show. If you got value from this episode, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will allow us to help more people find their way to live more authentic and exciting lives. We'll catch you on the next episode.